You may be seated and open your Bibles this morning to Psalm 145. Psalm 145. And uh, we're going to look at uh, verse 8 and verse 9 of the 145th Psalm. Psalm 145, verse 8 and verse 9, states that the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Slow to anger. Let's read it like that. Slow to anger. Aren't you glad? And not only is he slow to anger, but he is of great mercy. It doesn't just say that he has mercy. He's the father of mercies. He's the God of all compassion. And his mercy is great. That's awesome. Great mercy from a great God for your days here on earth. He's of great mercy. Now notice with me in verse 9. The Lord is good to who? All. Who's he good to? All. Well, he's good to you. He's good to me. But he's not just good to some. He's good to everybody. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. The Lord's goodness is available to all who will call upon it. Or to all who will believe and receive His goodness for their lives. Surely... Goodness and mercy. They're going to follow you and me all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies. Now notice that word mercies. That states there and points us to the fact that his mercies are plural. His mercies are not just for salvation from hell. But his mercies are plural. Did you know that there's healing mercies? Did you know that there's stability mercies for your emotions? Oh my. Your emotions, if you let them run wild, they'll run wild on you. Too many people's souls are out of control. But oh, the mercy of God, even in the midst of unstable times, will keep your mind and your heart through Christ Jesus. The mercies of God. His, his, his tender mercies. Even when we flunk a test. Even when we fail to align ourselves with the word of God. His mercy endures forever. His anger is but for a moment. But his mercy, it endures forever. You ever failed a test? All of us have. Ever spent more money than you should have spent on something during a certain month? Ever used your credit card when you shouldn't have? Gotten in debt up to here when you shouldn't have been using that at all? His mercy will get you out of that. If you just call upon the name of the Lord. There's mercy for your finances. There's mercies for your children. Thank God there is. 
The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. I'm one of his works. You're one of his works. We are his workmanship. Now, modern theology, F.F. Bosworth says, magnifies the power of God more than it magnifies his compassion. He goes on to say, his power more than it does this great fact that the exceeding greatness of his power is toward you. He furthermore said, in no place does the word of God say that God is power. He is all powerful. He is omnipotent. But it does say that God is love. God is love. And it is faith in his love that secures his blessing. Faith in his will. Faith in his plan. The Apostle John wrote in his epistle in 1 John, he said, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. Know it and believe it. You know, you can know about something and not believe it. You can know that there's free coffee out in the foyer this morning. No, there's not. Just relax. <laughs> you, you can know about free coffee, but... To actually go and get it, you got to act on it. you got to believe it. It's easy to know about the love of God, but do you believe in it for yourself? We've known it and believed the love that God has to us. I like that. Let me just quote a couple of scriptures to you. Micah 7.19 says, He delights in mercy or he delights in compassion. You see the word mercy in the Old Covenant. You notice that the word mercy and compassion are used interchangeably. They're synonymous terms. He delights in mercy. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that his eyes are hunting throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. He's hunting someone to be merciful to. He's hunting someone to bless. He's hunting someone to heal. Our confession ought to be, Lord, here I am, look no further. Look no further. Now, when you look at the the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will see that two-thirds of his ministry was healing the sick. In Matthew 14, he says this, that when he looked out and he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. He was moved with mercy on them. Now, why? Because they were fainting. And they were like being scattered all around the area, just like a sheep having no shepherd. So when Jesus looks out at the multitudes of humanity today, he's not moved with disgust. When Jesus sees a prostitute on the streets, he's not moved with anger. When Jesus sees what's going on in the political arena of our nation, he's not moved with disgust. 
He's moved with compassion. And so he looks over the multitudes in the earth today. And he says, they're just like sheep. They don't have a shepherd. And I desire to show them mercy and to pour my compassion out on them. He saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. Now, what does compassion mean? Compassion simply means a deep, eager yearning. Compassion means an overwhelming desire to meet the needs of others. It's an overwhelming desire. That's what he was moved with. Compassion is a demonstration of God's love surging through the master's wide open heart. His heart is wide open to men and women in this age and in this day. One of the greatest expressions of of his compassion is in healing the sick. In Matthew 14, 14, it says, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. I wonder if Jesus has changed. I wonder if he's the same today as he was yesterday. I wonder if he's lost any of his compassion in this hour that he had back there. No, thank God, the Bible says he is a merciful and faithful high priest. Thank God he is our high priest. He is our advocate. He is our mediator. He is our link to God. And he's not lost one ounce of his compassion. I think one of the greatest uh, instances in the Bible... Where we look at his compassion is when he healed the leper. So I want to look at that today. Let's look over at Mark chapter 1. Let's look at the touch of compassion. Everyone say the touch of compassion. In Mark 1 verse 40 says, There came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, and said unto him, If you will, you can make me clean. You know, there's a lot of people wondering what God's will is concerning healing in this day and this hour. Now, notice in verse 41, and Jesus was was moved. Say it with me. He was moved with what? Everyone say compassion. So he was moved with compassion. In other words, that yearning desire, that that something on the inside of him, that agape on the inside of him, begin to pour forth out of him. And he said, and he touched him, and he said unto him, I will be thou clean. I will be thou clean. The I will of the master canceled the if of the leper. In the Greek It sounds and it states like this. When he said, I will be thou clean. He says, of course I will. Be made whole. You know, I am to the lepers and I will to you. Glory to God. Verse 42. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him. And what happened? He totally got cleansed. Now, this wasn't just a 
a, a minor deal going on in this leper's life. The Amplified Bible says that he was covered with leprosy. Luke 5.12 says that he was full of leprosy. He was eaten up with this disease. And it was in its last stages. And leprosy has an awful effect on the physical body. No other disease can be compared with leprosy. It's an agonizing disease that eats away at the flesh. Not only was there the tragedy of a physical pain, but there was also the emotional pain because lepers couldn't come in to normal society and fellowship with other men and women. So emotionally, they were looked upon as outsiders. There's nothing worse than feeling like you're on the outside looking in. And so this leper came to him desperately. He had, to, he had to live outside of the village. Think about that. He had to, when he walked into a place, he had to yell out, unclean, unclean. He was considered the worst of the worst of the diseased. He was an outcast. I'm here to tell you that Jesus can cleanse the leper. And that Jesus can cleanse the leprosy of sin. An author visited Mother Teresa as she worked among the untouchables of Calcutta, India. Within a few weeks, he said, you know what? I've had it. I've seen enough for a lifetime. I can't handle this anymore. He got to a place where he, he literally broke down because of all the devastation that he saw all around him. Mother Teresa rescued a, a dying baby out of the gutter and she was, this, this writer was devastated by what he saw. And he says, I can't handle anymore. Mother Teresa came along to him and said, did you see Jesus today? And his answer was, no, I didn't. Mother Teresa then took his hand in hers and opened and closed his five fingers. As she talked to him about Jesus, she spoke five words as she unfolded each finger. You did it unto me. You did it unto me. You know, there is a cause in the earth today. Prosperity is not just so we can pay our bills. Prosperity is not just so that, you know, we can drive nice cars and live in nice homes. And, you know, thank God for that. We don't exclude the blessing of prosperity. How many of you know we're blessed in the city and blessed in the field? But I believe that the number one reason for prosperity is so that you and I can proclaim His cause in the earth. Look at Psalm 35 and verse 27. If you could bring that up with me for a moment. We want to take a look at that. Mother Teresa says, You did it unto me. You did it unto me. I'm not just here proclaiming a message this morning about how compassionate the Lord is. I'm here to proclaim to you today that the same love that's on the inside of him is on the inside of you. And my Bible says, blessed are the merciful, 
Blessed are the compassionate, for they are the ones that shall obtain compassion. Notice with me in Psalm 35, verse 27. Let's read together. Ready, read. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of a servant. Now, let's just keep that up here for a moment. So, traditionally, when we look at that verse, we start shouting for joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And then we go to the part which says, because he takes great pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And that's true. But that's not the whole verse. He's saying to us this morning, get happy, be glad, because you do Favor my righteous cause. In other words, you hold dear to heart the things that are in my heart. In other words, you are all for what I'm all for. And you are all in for what I am all in for. Favoring his righteous cause. Well, what is his righteous cause? We don't have time to go into all the depths of what his righteous cause is and are, but we can take a look at some scriptures that will point us to a portion of what he's all about. And what he's all about, we're all about. What he's in, I'm in. What's precious to him is precious to me. Amen? Is that you? All right, so let's take a look at this verse Over in Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to look at it from the New Living Translation. He's full of compassion. My confession is, I'm full of compassion. Whether I feel it, whether, you know, I can sense it, my confession is, I'm going to flow in the compassion of the Lord. Why is that? Because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. And He didn't just put this love in me to love the lovely. He didn't just put this love in me to love my wife with. He didn't just put this love in me to love fellow Christians with. Now we ought to be loving one another. And I think as Christians we could, come on, I think as Christians we could do just a little bit better. I was working out the other day in Minnesota. I was listening to Brother Jerry Savelle. He said something so funny. I got to share it with you. He was in a meeting years ago, and uh, someone came up to him and said, you know, I'd like to sell something on your book table. And they said, oh, yeah, what is that? Well, it's tribulation food. Because don't you know, after all, the church is going to go through the tribulation, and they need to have some food while they're hiding over there in the cave. And, of course, Brother Savell said, no, or his representative said, no, you can't sell them. We're not on the same page at all. And then Brother Jerry said this. I thought it was funny. I think you will, too. He said, most Christians, a lot of Christians, have difficulty getting along even while they're living in their own homes. Not just family. But Christians have difficulty loving one another, living in a mansion or living in a nice home. He says, can you imagine what would happen if they were living in a cave? (laughs) 
He said, with one can of beans and tribulation food left, he said, they'd kill each other. But oh, the love of God. God didn't put this love on the inside of us when everything's all wonderful and great. We can love one another. The love of God on the inside of you will love your enemies. While they're insulting you. While they're trying to belittle you and put you down, something will rise up on the inside of you. And you can begin to proclaim, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. Now notice with me in Matthew chapter 5, verse 35 through 40. He said, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will tell them, I assure you, when you did it, To one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. You did it to me. You know what? As a church, we have this opportunity. As a corporate group of Christians, we have the golden opportunity to do it unto the least of these. It happens every week around here. We have a visitation team. When people are hospitalized, when people are sick, our visitation team goes to visit them. Somebody says, well, I thought that was the pastor's duty. Yes, the pastor has his duty and the pastors have their responsibility. But nowhere is it, is it written that the whole weight of ministry should be on one or two people. Every Sunday, grocery bag after grocery bag is being passed out. Somebody says, yeah, but that's just barely scratching the surface. But at least the surface is being scratched. Come on now. Come on. At least something is being done in this place. And did you know what? As you roll up your sleeves and as you serve in this church, as you purpose in your heart to be a blessing in the household of God, You are positioning yourself to be promoted for your faithfulness. And you are being a blessing and flowing in the compassion of the Lord. Think about if you greet in this church. I want to exhort our greeters. And first I want to thank you. But when you're greeting in this church, look people in the eye. Don't just, God bless you. God bless you. Now, you don't have to get up in their space, but smile and greet people with the love of God. Jesus opened wide his heart to this rejected leper. The leper had no right to speak to him. I'm telling you that compassion will always trump religion. And so we see he opened his heart, he stretched out his hand, he touched the untouchable, he loved the unlovable. And he embraced this person 
with the life and the love of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'd rather be a lover than a hater any day of the week. I'd rather be a person flowing in the love of God than always being critical and carnal and looking at everything from the lens of what's wrong. Let's look at situations from the lens of what's good and what's right and what's pure and what's lovely. Turn with me to uh, John seven, uh, Job seventeen or Job seven. God's heart beats for people. In Job seven seventeen and eighteen, he says, "What is man that you should magnify him, that you should set your heart upon him?" And that you should visit him every morning and try him every moment. Say it with me. God's heart beats with the rhythm of people. That's a truth and that is a fact. Now you and I, what are we? We're the light of the world. In closing this morning, before we have communion, because we're going to be receiving communion today. I want you to uh, look at Matthew chapter 5. And I want us to notice verse 13 through 16 in the message translation. We are light in a dark world, but we are also love in a world full of hatred. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 in, in the message, it says, God is not a secret to be kept. Amen? We're going to go public with this. As public as a city on a hill. He said, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? He said, I'm putting you on a lampstand. Now that I've put you on a hilltop on a light stand, he says, shine, keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt others to open up to God. Now listen very carefully. Letting our light shine, letting my light shine, is letting my love and my compassion flow through me. Letting the life of God and the love of God. You know, John Maxwell probably one of the greatest teachers on the subject of leadership in the body of Christ today. He said, even the most introverted person influences thousands of people in their lifetime. I wonder what would happen if we strategically determined to influence people for Jesus. I wonder what would happen if we asked the Lord to connect us with some golden divine opportunities to minister His life to others. You know what he'd do? He'd do it. He'll put people right in front of you. He'll put people next to you on BART. He'll put people all around you that need the love of God and need the life of God. You can influence people for him. Now, one thing that I want to encourage you in is begin to develop a lifestyle of prayer and of praying in the Spirit. And the more you pray in the Holy Ghost and pray in the Spirit, the more keen you will become, spiritually speaking, 
And the more aware of the love of God and the presence of God, you'll be on the inside of you. Father, right now, I pray for your folks today. I pray for your people. I pray, Lord God, that you would touch them with your healing touch this morning. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, for people that are going through tests and trials in this church. I think of our dear sister in the hospital in Oakland. We ask you, sir, to stretch forth your hand to minister strength, to minister health, and to minister healing to her. We come against infections in the name of Jesus. We curse that right now. Just like you, Lord Jesus, cursed the fig tree, we curse that infection in her body in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, you said in your word that you sent your word and you healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. So right now we send the word of healing. The word of strength. And the word of health. Into her body right there in that hospital. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you now for healing her. We thank you for turning that situation around. Turning it around right now. And we give you glory. Father, right now, I ask that you extend your compassion toward people, even in this auditorium this day, that are going through a difficult time. I pray, Lord God, that you would touch their lives, touch them in their bodies, touch them in their souls, touch them, Lord God, in their walk with you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you, Father, for moving on their behalf. Lord, we pray for the marriages within our congregation. We ask you, sir, for reconciliation and restoration for people that are are battling in that area of their lives, Lord. Let your mercy hover over them. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. One day, Brother Copeland and Sister Glory were traveling. I think they were on their way to Australia. And she had a burden in her heart for the youngest son, John. John was a, was a guy who liked a lot of adventure and was constantly riding motorcycles and getting accidents here and accidents there. He just lived a very, a very adventurous, I guess, dangerous life. And the enemy would use that and bring pictures to Gloria's mind of, of him you know, being seriously hurt and seriously devastated in his life. And as she was praying about it, the Lord spoke a word to her. And I believe that this word is for some of you here this morning that have loved ones that are living on the edge, if you will. And the word of the Lord was this, Gloria, my mercy hovers over your son, John. My mercy hovers over him. What does that mean? That means that his mercy is more than enough for John to make it through. But not only for him, but for Gloria to have peace of mind. And that's a confession I believe that you can make in the midnight hour. When you see bad reports and you hear bad reports and and you know of things that maybe your loved ones are doing that they shouldn't be doing. Your confession ought to be, Father, I thank you that your mercy hovers over them. Hovers over her. Hovers over my loved ones. Thank you, Lord. 
And sometimes people get themselves into difficulties by a, 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 a rough lifestyle that they used to live. And sometimes there's diseases that get into people's lives. But you know what? The mercy of God's bigger than that. His mercy is stronger than that. His mercy is greater than that. There's people that are infected by HIV through mistakes that they have made. We're not to look down upon people that are infected by HIV. We're to lift those people up. And I tell you what, His mercy hovers over them. His love is everlasting. And His mercy can reach in to the deepest of the deepest pits and He can lift people right out of the pit. His mercy endures forever. You know, I think about blind Bartimaeus. He was blind. He couldn't see. But you know what he said? He said, Jesus, thou son of David, oh, glory to God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And that cry of faith for mercy got the master's attention. And blind Bartimaeus was no longer blind. Blind Bartimaeus Bartimaeus could truly say, I once was blind, but now I see. Glory to God. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was diseased, but now I'm whole. I once was poor, glory to God, but now I'm rich. I once was down, but now I'm up. Don't forget, it's because of the mercies of the Lord that we're not consumed. You know, fools, I've been that fool. I would never call anybody a fool, but I think there's been some people in this congregation that have done some foolish things. Fools! Because of their transgressions, bring affliction upon themselves. But then they cried unto the Lord. Come on. Then they cried unto the Lord. And the Lord heard them. And he delivered them out of their destructions. Let the Lord hear your voice in the midnight hour. Not the voice of sympathy, not the voice of crying and voice of weeping, but the voice and the cry for help. Lord, send your mercy upon my situation. They were afflicted, but then he sent his word. He sent his mercy and he healed them and delivered them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And lifted them out of the miry pit. And what he's done for one, he'll do for others. Amen.